Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 247, recorded on January 20th, 2023, where John and Jason interview Scott Sewell, Principal Program Manager on the Power BI CAT team at Microsoft, and talk about Dataverse, Dynamics 365, and Power BI. Good morning, Jace. How are you now? John, I'm doing okay. Kind of an odd one. I want to say I'm great because it's been a great week, but uh, my foot's killing me today, honestly. Uh, I think I did something bad at the track when I was, the not the betting track. I actually went and ran on a track. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I I, I, Were people I betting something. on you? <laughs> To fail usually. Okay. Um, okay. But, okay. Uh, you okay. know, no, I was. I'm working on up to doing a run back in Jacksonville uh, in March, and so I went out to the track and uh, I had the wrong insoles in, and I think I did something bad. And then I took Max to Orange Theory last night, and it was kind of bothering me on the treadmill, and so I stepped off for a minute and rubbed my foot for a second. Went, oh, I'll be fine. And then ran another mile and a half. Is that's a good idea? Yeah, yeah, that was that was brilliant. So I'm limping a little bit around the house today, so I'm not moving super fast. But other than okay. that. You know, it's excellent. Uh, All it's, right, it's a nice day. We have a great interview we're going to have here with uh, yes. one of my colleagues. I'm very excited, but uh, it also has been that perfect time of year here in Texas, where we get to the 70s during the day, but at night it's down in the 40s. So when I get in the hot tub, it's perfection. Sh- shut that. up. <laughs> it's been gray and dismal for weeks here but i only have to deal with it for two more weeks and then i can limp off so there you uh-huh. go <laughs> yeah well yeah you're gonna go limp off to go yeah, diving yeah. for a month <laughs> i gotta say though john my weather flow station yes it, it stopped working for a while did it it did yeah there, there was a period of time and i was like oh what's going on and i thought maybe the solar panel had, had died on me turns out that so i have this the older model like yeah me too where it's yeah. two different units yeah turns out it wasn't the unit that had the solar panel on it it, had, uh-huh. it was the unit that i didn't remember had batteries in it oh you needed to replace the batteries it that's a good every idea once in a while if you change the batteries on your weather station so after four years of collecting data diligently every yep. five seconds yep. Yep. the things four AA batteries had to be replaced. And I had to clean up the, uh, a little bit corrosion on the uh, on the connectors. So. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be embarking on a, on a new project that deals with the, all of the weather stations. And uh, I'll let you know about that offline because it might involve some things, uh, well, some quiet things. So uh, well, we'll, we'll, know, we'll talk it, about it, that it, in a future it, episode. Be maybe. Because we've, you've been talking about this for about a year and a half now. I, yeah, so, I know. You know. But I, I, found, I now I have an excuse for some new tech. So there well, we go. That, let's look into that. But, you know, yep. is, is there an opportunity for there to, you know, for us to play with some power app stuff in that as well and store some data off in dataverse or are we going to keep it in Custo? i think we'll keep this one in Custo. it's long-term immutable data but if it was applicable to dataverse here's the here's a segue oh here's do you segue. love it john uh, yeah i think <laughs> I, I think our guest might have might have something to say about it uh, um, yes, he would. Uh, he's your teammate jace why don't you introduce him i'm happy to do that and it's an honor and a pleasure to get to have scott on here Scott, I'm going to ask you to properly introduce yourself here in just a minute. But I joined, since I joined the Power BI team nine months ago, Scott has been a, an incredible partner on the team and just a, a fun guy to have conversations with and learn from. And I've been sharing his videos over on LinkedIn quite a bit because I learn stuff all the time from what he's doing because it's not an area that I spend as much time in, which is part of why I asked him to come and talk with our audience today. But Scott has been an uh, amazing teammate and it's just a lot of fun. So Scott, I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you introduce yourself to our audience? Well, you've already called me a mushroom. 
You said I was a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, only uh, in the, also a great in the star best DC way. Come on, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kept in the dark. Oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's great. It's Thanks for the invite. This is such a a fun topic for me, a fun passion for me. Because I've, I've been, I started my journey on this kind of where I am right now with using the early, the precursor to Dataverse, which is Microsoft CRM, mm-hmm. really starting on 1.0. And in January 2023, that marks 20 years since I started implementing it. Wow. All this time, I've seen it grow up from being this kind of, uh, it was meant as a kind of client server, desktop. We were going after ACT and Goldmine yep. as, the, as the tools we were replacing. All the way up to now where it's such a, I mean, it's, it's an enterprise, it's a uh, planet scale kind of thing that's being done to capture business application data. You know, we're not talking about like your weather data, not the high volume kind of stuff, but the real transactions of uh, talking about opportunities or sales calls or service calls or work orders in a field service type of thing. A lot of that kind of data really works nicely coming into Dataverse as this uh, more than a database it's a platform that's got a security model around it. It's got a full interface. Please don't tell my Dataverse friends it's like a, it's like access on steroids. Uh, it kills them when I say that. But it right. is. <laughs> From a, a standpoint, there's a, there's a parallel in that it's not just a database. It's a database with a UI and with a programming layer and a security model and all those things that uh, make it fun to use. You mentioned that it's... Uh... You know, you started with it when it, when it was CRM, and it's not CRM, right? There, there are two different things today. And I well, thought, I wondered if you might want to just elaborate on the differences yeah, so, between, or the so, relationship between them. Yeah, great, great point. <clears throat> uh, so CRM was this, it was inti- originally just this CRM, customer relationship management software. And underneath that, everybody wants kind of different fields or different things captured. So there was a configuration layer to the, to the data portion of it. And as that grew up, the config, it got to be where it wasn't just a couple of custom fields you could add. You started adding custom tables, custom relationship, workflows within it, and things like that. And all of a sudden, the this application layer that was sitting under, underneath this one app outgrew the app. And it became this thing that says, hey, look, we don't have to be limited to a customer data. It could be I built a full-blown enterprise app for tracking in the transportation industry or tracking rail locations and crazy stuff like that. It was uh, it was amazing because it was just this application layer where you could configure it quickly and have it live on the on the web immediately for an application. So it became this real application layer and then out of that you saw things like um you know project services now sitting on top of it uh, right. field service and then also, if you build any power apps, if you're building anything like a model-driven power apps, even some of the Canvas-based app power apps, power, I mean, Dataverse is a common place to store that data. And in fact, a lot of folks are, you know, there's a, there's a lot of parallels to SharePoint in some ways, yep. but this is really much more of a relational model, a lot more in terms of a lot closer to a database than SharePoint is in some ways. And so you see a lot of a lot of migration that direction. You've mentioned that you've been doing this since 1.0. The way I approached Dynamics and then quickly, very quickly ran away from Dynamics yeah, yeah. way back in the yeah. day was the, the the SharePoint integration therein. And like I got asked, hey, you know, you do SharePoint. Can you do this Dynamics thing as well? It's like, uh, nope. 
No, 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 that's, that's the intertwining, like the logic layer there uh, of the, like, yeah, I get it, but that's, you don't want to do that with SharePoint. And so I, you know, the fact that this is so different at this point and it's differentiated is really, really nice. I think one of the things that the SharePoint piece was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit of a weird science project at first in that it was an attempt to say, Look, SharePoint does some things like store, you know, a document library type things. SharePoint's, uh, you know, there's nothing better, right? In a lot of ways. SharePoint does that. Dataverse does not do that. So it tried to build that integration to say, hey, here's a layer where let's let each product do what it does best and build it. And it was, and of course, it's different teams and different, you know, cycles. And so there's always a little bit of that, but it's still, I mean, they've smoothed it out. It works pretty nicely. And, And again, let's, the two different applications do what they do best mm-hmm. and just builds a bridge there. But all, all said, I've been talking about that portion of it. What I kept finding through this process was these applications start, you know, just by nature of people using them every day as they're capturing little bits of data as they go, they start becoming this, you look back and you go, wow, there's some actually real data there's a real history of our transaction or interactions with customers, our interactions with sales sides. It's accumulating a lot of data that's actually really valuable. And one part of Dynamics and Dataverse and this whole stack that, I, I, that we're tra- referred to, it has a very simple graphing and charting component to it with emphasis on simple. It's designed to do some really simple, straightforward things inside the app. But it does not have anything, anything anywhere close to comparing to the power of Power BI to bring that data out and summarize it. And I kept finding that I was on the partner side. So my job was get the software installed and also sell the upgrade. Yeah, just full stop. I was there to, to expand my project and I was going to keep my project moving forward. And if I saw areas where I could help the business I never saw my job is to get to sign to complete the contract and be gone. I really want to say how how can we keep you know adding more value? If I can keep adding value, I want to keep adding value. And I kept finding that the way I could show off the value of what we were doing, what I and the customer team were working on together and accomplishing, was if I summarize that data. And the best way I could find to summarize that data was using Power Query, Power Pivot. Power BI, and um, I became hooked on that side of it. The data side of it just became fascinating to me. It well, still is. You mentioned something earlier that I want to want to touch on. You you said it's a lot closer to SQL than some of those other old tools. I come from a rich history. If you go way back, I had the Lotus Notes for about ten years, and then what's your heart? For, oh yeah. <laughs> And then into SharePoint. And one thing I learned is that, you know, when you have end users designing data structures, nothing could be better, right? Uh, I mean, for for our our listeners who don't speak Canadian, that was sarcasm. Yeah. (laughs) There's good and bad of it, right? You're enabling the user. And and I'm just, I'm fascinated when you say this is closer to SQL than some of those old solutions. What do you, what makes it a more viable relational database. Let's call it that. And because obviously those others were not relational databases, no matter how hard end users tried to make them that. Right. This is, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it is by nature. I mean, now underneath the covers, if you go much layers down underneath the, the layer that we're talking about that users interact with, it is SQL Server down there. Right. But it's oh, a, just uh, like SharePoint does it and puts everything on one big table. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, bro, just beautiful. You're bringing back just sweet memories for me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I have to. Yeah, this is why we drink. PTSD. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you're exactly right, though. It is down there, down under, way underneath the, uh, down in the mines, it is a SQL. And as you build up from that, it's kind of translates those tables into what the user is going to see, these entities that their user is going to see. Like if I have a customer, it's going to be a customer record, even though the customer record includes related tables like the list of addresses they have and the who's the owner of the table and what territories are they in and the relationships between all those. It does build up that. And the nice thing is as you build those record, those relationships or add additional fields to it, you can just click and drag and drop it, put it on the form or in the views. And it's uh, it's amazing how quickly we can spin up a, a business application to solve mm. a problem in no time flat. It was actually fun on this, this railroad project that I, I referenced. They were having to do this really innovative attempt to go out and do a ton of surveys on all their locations and customers and incredible stuff. And it was a big initiative from the CEO at the time. And he said, you know, we got to get this out and get it done. And the the traditional, the old school dev apps team, the development teams, they said, yeah, we can get you a beta version in about nine months. We think we can get you a beta version of how to collect all this data because it was going to have to be out in the field. People were going to be disconnected from the, the source. There needed to be some auditing lo- involved and security involved. And they said, we think we can get you a version in about nine months. And I took the the specs and went back to the hotel that evening and worked on it. And I got a, a working prototype there for them the next morning. Wow. Now, it was rough. I mean, it was rough around the edges, but it worked. I mean, and it already, because I didn't have to build a, a synchronization model for offline use. I didn't have to build a, a security infrastructure. I just said, these people can see these things and they can't see these other things. I didn't have to build an import tool utility. I already had the list of customers because I could just point to the list of customers we already had in the CRM side and reference it. I didn't have to build an integration to email or an integration to any of these other systems. And I had this really rich application. It was thin, but it was rich for them to go, oh, it was kind of, it was almost like this I treat it as such a, like a beta, I'm a, I'm a, uh, like a, a prototype. You throw it up there, just yeah. push it up there. And hey, you just, I've got a full day, is a, a total of eight hours invested in this thing. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you do like. And you don't have to wait and like just kind of look at it, stare at a whiteboard and go and, and imagine it. You could just try it. And we had that thing live and had it out the door in a few weeks. We had the, wow. It was great. And again, that was one of those entrees to the data side of it is that as people started using it in the field, they would say they would connect their, they'd go back to, they would go out to these really, really remote locations where there was like, you said telegraphs or carrier pigeons to send the data back. But back in, once they got back to the hotel, yeah, uh, get back to the hotel, they would synchronize it. And we were starting to collect all this data immediately in, and it was right there at Jacksonville. Won't mention the company name, but right there by the bridge down downtown. And uh, as we started getting all this data back in, we would it started accumulating, and it became 
we immediately had visibility of what was going on across the across the country with these folks capturing data. It was really fun. It was a uh, many years ago, but it was probably 15, 16 years ago. It was so fun to do that. But again, that that became this entree to saying, hey, look, there's incredibly rich data. Instead of just looking at it as forms and da- and views, you know, over this data, let's aggregate it. Yeah. Let's find trends in this data. Let's enrich it with data from outside of Dataverse. Let's do things that we can't do with pure data. Let's not limit ourselves to the data we have stored in this business application. Let's let's enrich it. Let's pull it in. And that was my first, and my first Power BI reports were rocky. Uh, these were Power, I guess Power Pivot, I get that at that point. But they go back and SSR, and I was doing a lot right. of SS, SSRS at that point. Too. Right. Yeah. But that was kind of that moment that said, aha, if you can show the person who's bought the project show them the value of all the work that their team is doing. And it's really highlighting their customer. It wasn't highlighting me. It was highlighting their their own internal teams and all the work that they were doing and saying, bring that up to the surface. It was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a great time together. Uh, that's awesome. So uh, just look at it. Uh, you know, in, in today's modern world around uh, the whole Dataverse thing, uh, you know, with all of these fun things that are happening in the Dynamics world, with Power Apps sitting on top of it and all the d- different Power Platform components, just taking a look, one of the things that you published recently was talking about the embedding, right, of Power BI reports, uh, you know, and just the, how much easier it has become. You know, right. taking a look at it, Dataverse has grown up so much as oh, yeah. you know, when we started looking at Dataverse, it had some different names, which we won't name <laughs> because Microsoft went through some some hiccups with over, the over, over the period of a month, I think it had some. Yeah. And it, we finally landed on Dataverse. And you know, so one of the things that when I think about Dataverse, I go back to that CDM mentality, right? Of that was where we started, a common data model type of a thing. As someone who's just approaching it for the first time and starting to try and understand at its root of what today's data first looks like. When I'm just getting started, let's say I'm a power apps person. I'm, I'm trying to do some data collection, like you're talking about with the, with the, the railroad that you were referring to. If you were building something like that, just starting out today and starting to build out, let's say you didn't have anything in dynamics at that point, you're just building something brand new. Starting from the blank world of Dataverse, what does that look like? What is, as a data source, because, you know, being Power BI people, we're all thinking, like, how am I going to get at this later? Like, how is that today? And compare that, because I think it'll be a fun thing, to how it lives with Dynamics today as well. Like, what's that difference between if I were starting a blank project versus if I'm going after some data that that already lives in the back end of Dataverse over in Dynamics? I'm just kind of curious. I got to kind of qualify a little bit. I don't know that anybody actually goes out and, and like buys a Dataverse, buys Dataverse itself. It's really yeah. the underlying layer that sits underneath Power Apps and Dynamics and some other pieces. Now, with the exception of like what they refer to as Dataverse for Teams, which is still Dataverse, but mm-hmm. Power Apps is kind of the most common way I would say that people would, if they were going to start anew from something, they would like could spin up Power App, a, a model driven Power App. And they're going to immediately, that's going to be sitting on top of a Dataverse instance. Mm-hmm. And that Dataverse instance starts, it doesn't start as a clean slate. It already has system users synced from Active Directory. It already has mo- some entities like people, contacts, accounts, companies. It has things like emails and it has facts. Go figure. 
uh, hello hello 80s <laughs> it has facts and and it has things like notes and other things as well as kind of the related entities around like locations and some just some basic business common business entities mm-hmm. and you can start with those you don't have to use them but they're already there by default so that makes it you're not starting from zero you have a very com- you know and that's why they called it the common data model these are and then like if you go to the account record it's going to have addresses it's going to have phone numbers and, and uh, email addresses and descriptions and lookups to what industry is it in and, and things like that just as a starter point so you got that you can get going with that and and then start collecting your data off of that and then you're going to build off it and you say maybe I want a table to track test results so you would just go into data into the dataverse configuration to p- uh, piece and say here's the list of the tables that are there I'm going to add a new table when I create a new table it automatically is going to have things like a name a created on a created by Modified on, modified by. It's going to have a. It's going to be tied to the security model immediately. At that point, it's just it's kind of a blank record that you can start saying, okay, I want to put a a, a test date. I want to put a test type, and maybe I want to put a relationship between this record and my customer account record. And so you just start building these lookups and everything, and and it's you hit publish and it's live. It's pretty amazing to how fast and flexible it is that, you know, falls under that idea of low code, no code. And the appeal is to enable, you know, it's kind of a different perspective because it's, it's trying to help someone who understands the process. You have to understand the process Mm -hmm. who understands the process that they're trying to support in the business, understanding what's going on. What do people in the field need to be able to complete this task? They can just drop it in and add it to the form and it can become that. And they don't really have to know anything about coding per se. Mm-hmm. They have this this tool in front of them, and I've seen the the productivity on my standpoint. Because I mean, I'm not a developer. I can't spell C. That's just not my my area. My area has always been from the business perspective. How do I accomplish this? How do I get this working? How do I how do I solve this problem? And that's really kind of where this this tool fits into that perspective. Now you can take it and you can add in. There's whole programming models that fit into it that say, hey, when you press this button, I need you to go out to this web service and run a credit check or check the weather in their hometown or whatever it is. You can infinitely, a numbers of things you can do to, to enhance it or to validate records or automate things that are tied to it. Or you know, if you want to tie it to IoT systems and say, okay, when the temperature in that boiler exceeds whatever, you know, some th- safety threshold, they would, you know, record it into the system and we have that data coming forward. So yeah, it's not a blank slate, but it's a, it's a great, it's kind of a middle ground. It's not empty, but it's not, it, but it, there's so much room for you to, to build out, to adapt to whatever you're working on. Awesome. So can like, I write you a PO for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds great. Let's do it. This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by Tigraph, the award-winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tigraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tigraph today. Sign up for a free trial at tigraph.com. 
thinking about it from the backend data perspective that, you know, when I think about it from a Power BI world, so I've built something cool on top of it. And how am I connecting from Power BI? What's the world look like there? Because I keep hearing how fast Dataverse is to do all of these things. How does it play with from a Power BI perspective? I'm actually going to care about because you're going to build something really cool, Scott. If we're doing this together, you're going off and, and building stuff for the business users. I want to build something for the a- analytics team and for the executives to be able to say, hey, what Scott just did, what that team is doing, really the productivity is great. Take a look at this. Yeah. How does that play? Yeah. So a couple of different ways. The, the fun, the one of the pieces that I've I've uh, gone after when I joined my joined this team was. If I were to Google, how do I, or excuse me, Bing, sorry. Oh, <laughs> sorry. We call it Googling with Bing. Yeah. Okay. I, if I Google Bing, yes. if I Googled, uh, the, uh, uh, Google. Yeah. If I, if I go after and do a, a search on, uh, how to connect Power BI with Dataverse, depending on which result I got back first, it would tell me one of a couple of two or three different ways to get at that data. And, one of the most enticing ones is also one of the slowest ones. And so, you know, there was a lot of excitement around direct query against Dataverse, where I could point Power BI directly to Dataverse and Power BI would inherit this crazy security model that I created. So if there are five opportunities in there that I'm not allowed to see, then I would run a report in Power BI and I would not see those those opportunities. I would see everything that I'm allowed to see. So there could be this, there was a direct query model that's had a lot of enticement or a lot of advantage there, but it's not, it didn't turn out to be the the high volume approach. If you'd gone to another site, it would say, oh, here's the Azure Synapse Link approach. And it has this really cool way of pulling all the data out of the data lake and putting a Synapse layer in front of it and and generate up. But it's a little bit of a heavy lift if you're just trying to create a quick report on something. What I've done is I have put out some documentation recently, and it's on the it's on our site that this says, look, let's break down the problem in a couple different areas. There's a couple of different ways to go about it, and not every problem is the same. So there's not a solution that fits every problem. There is a solution that fits every problem, but it's not the same solution. Yeah. So kind of giving some guidance on that. So I've got the direct query approach. I've got an import mode where I just point Dataverse or point Power BI to Dataverse. It go and it just give it a URL. That's really all I have to do. URL and a authentication. My opinion. is that is that the Dataverse connector in Power yeah. BI? But that one specifically. Connector. Yeah. Okay. I can use that. I can also use the SQL connector and point to the same location on Dataverse, and it's going to this what we call the TDS endpoint, Tabular Data Stream endpoint, mm-hmm. and I can write a query as if I'm writing it SQL. But it's not going to SQL way down the covers first. It hits Dataverse, gets cleaned up based on the security model so that only the things I'm allowed to see will come back to me because I could have things like PII information in there. If I'm not allowed to see that PII information, it would be filtered out before it came back in the results set too. Is that model using uh, query folding? It does. Okay. It does. Very cool. So it's a... now, obviously, it's you can break folding, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have, we have, yeah, and we yeah. have, but yeah, it, it does a nice job there, and and it works really well. I'll say a, a large portion of our of our of our audience, my audience, the Dataverse people, don't have ginormous like right. billion record tables. 
You know, we're talking about a large dataverse implementation, a large dataverse table is going to be a few million records. It's we're a not very talking large about these, yeah. You know, not talking about log analytic type data, you know, not, right. not talking about stuff that's, you know, recording IoT transactions every 30, 30 milliseconds. That's mm-hmm. not the type of data we're typically mm-hmm. dealing with. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's much smaller than that, but it's super high value data. Each record is, is a much higher value in that perspective. So, you know, those are different ways. I usually approach it, you know, let's, let's talk about who's the audience that we're dealing with. Like security models, one of the keys, key items I just mentioned is Dataverse has this really, really convoluted, complex, flexible security model that you can do a lot of cool things with. And the challenge is sometimes people use that. And that model gets really, really complicated. And so if I'm building a report, like I was building it for a large financial services, we were working with them. And we built a report to kind of make sure that the, fir- the front person on the, the salesperson would only see the opportunities they're working on. Uh, the ones that they're allowed to see. And there would be 300,000 opportunities in play at any time, but they were only allowed to see the 300 that they were Mm -hmm. engaged with. Mm -hmm. Well, that was fine. We built that and used that direct query and it would pull those records in and they could see that and we could enhance the data with other stuff. It was cool. And they said, okay, yeah, we also want our CEO to see this. Oh, crap. You know, this is what we have. We have this... (laughs) You know, all of a sudden, we're pulling 300,000 records through a drinking straw to somebody who already has permissions to see all this data anyway. There's no reason to filter this data through that security model to give it to somebody on the C-suite. So we said, no, we really need to split this into two approaches. One is an approach that's designed for an individual or a small team that has kind of a limited few, uh, you know, 10,000 or you know, 100,000 or something records that they're allowed to see. That's cool. We can do it this way. We'll keep it nice and tight and needy, uh, tidy through this point. And then for the person on the, in the C-suite or the, you know, the VPs of sales and whatnot, we're going to go a different route. We're going to bring all the data into Power BI first because we already know that the audience of that report can see everything. So we don't need to refilter it locally. I mean, through, through Dataverse. We'll just pull it out. And then they have a like a super snappy report across a big chunk of data. So understanding that audience is, uh, I mean, that's not new to anybody on data on the Power BI side, but you have to think about which is your right, who's going to be consuming the report and what's the right approach for it. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, it's a great conversation to have no matter what uh, you're doing and no matter what uh, report you're trying to put out there, right? Are you drowning in spreadsheets? Are you gasping for a better reporting solution? Let Marquee Insights throw you a lifeline. They can help you chart a course to success with Power BI, then get underway quickly with one of their quick start solutions while learning the ropes from their experienced staff. If you're ready for reporting bliss, go to marqueeinsights.com and click the Get Started button and learn how they can help you make better, faster decisions with smarter data. So it sounds to me like just going back for just a minute, because you were talking about, number one, you're not going to go into Azure or into the Office 365 marketplace and go buy a Dataverse. That's right. not, 
you're not going to find, hey, there's a button that says buy a Dataverse. That's not how it works, right? So but the way that you made it, the way you described it was sitting on top of the CDM model. There's a, a set of structures already in place whenever you instantiate this. And you had talked about Dynamics earlier, which also has that similar structure already. When you spin up an instance of Dynamics 365 in any of the modules, it already has a set of records there that you can then add and customize. It sounds very similar. Are they, it, are they it, the, basically the same thing? Or? It's exactly the same thing. The difference is, it's like the, think about the Dataverse is the common layer underneath it. And Power Apps, you're getting that common layer yeah. and you're getting the ability to start config, configuring it off of that common, those common layers. All right. So you've got a pretty, a starting point, but you can do what you want to with it in the Power, in the power App side. On the Dynamics piece, they've already gone in and said, okay, there's our common layer. But we're going to go out and fill it out with the rest of, you know, sort of build out the rich data, uh, the front end, and we're going to build a lot more to it. We're going to build a lot of workflows that are they're going to uh, take care of things and some customizations to be able to handle enriched data from the sales side. There's a lot of things that are already pre-built for you if you go with a Dynamics 365 sales app. You know, nice. it's not a complete like done, but you're a long way forward in the process if you just start with like a Dynamics 365 sales app or a customer service app or field service. A lot of the fundamental plumbing has been done for you. Now it's just a matter of adding those things that are unique to your business. We've got an interesting use case. A couple of years ago, we had customer data floating all over the place, right? SharePoint lists over here in Salesforce, over here, here. And we needed a traffic cop. And there's really nothing off the shelf that would match what we needed with the workflows we needed to, have to process. So we asked uh, Norm Young, who's another MVP on our team, fantastic guy. This seems like it might be a power app. Want to have a look at that? Right? It makes it make sense, right? So used internally, we didn't need to distribute it outside. Norm took a look at this thing and started building this thing and absolutely knocked it out of the park. And he used it basically by firing up the uh, the power app, deciding to use one of these templates, going forward with these common data models that are in Dataverse, you know, with the customer and sales. That happens to be exactly the same models, of course, that CRM uses, right? So we've built out this absolutely wonderful control point for customer and you know getting customers onboarded etc runs the whole process we're acquired by appoint last fall appoint uses crm so we've been going through this process how are we going to bring all of the stuff we do into that tenant well it's actually looks like it's not bad at all it's exactly the same schema for contacts and companies etc the workflows will simply plug right in so we're going to be able to just take that and move it right along and like you said not only does it get you up and running very quickly but it also gives you a really solid integration point so should you do should you need to make a conversion down the road or should you need to integrate great with a third party. It's all there. It's all well-defined. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And my comment earlier about getting end users or power users to define data structure, well, they're already defined for you. You just need to use them. Huh? So, yeah. And then, and then of course, it's a, it's part of that whole suite with you've got Power Automate, you know, tied to it. It's, it's not the same product, but it, it's right. built right into that piece that says, you know, let's do the Power Automate. And, and then you've got the web Power Pages that are part that sit on top of it. And all these other tools in this, in the integration, in the power, you know, in that biz apps space work nicely together. 
I'm throwing some stuff together to make sure that we put into our blog post, which, by the way, John, we've got to get up to date. Yes, because uh, we got called out on Twitter recently. Look at Twitter oh, a while back, and somebody called us out on, "Hey, we'd like to be able to link the podcast, but you guys haven't bothered to do the blog post in a while." So, you know, <laughs> chop chop. But, Fair. Uh, so, I'm going to make sure that we do that this time. And, and Scott, uh, the one that really got me, I was actually boarding a flight to the Valley on, uh, on December 30th. I was watching your, your video as I'm boarding. Like it was, I was sitting there going, holy cow, I almost hit my head on the plane because it was one of these little tiny planes. <laughs> it was, uh, really good. The one that you were talked about with the embedding Power BI into D365 and Power Apps forms. Yeah. You know, how you can actually embed a report. So take a look at that one, folks. We're going to drop that into the, uh, into the show notes for this because that one really resonated with me. It was really cool yeah. because it's so much easier now. And I used to try and do that about a year ago. It was a nightmare. And there have been so many improvements made around Power BI with, you know, with Dataverse, with the naming and all of those other things that have come out over the course of the time I've been here at Microsoft working with you. It's gotten so much better and easier. So uh, yeah, thank you yeah, for that's... doing all these great videos. And you're speaking at user groups all over the place and doing all sorts of great stuff. So thanks for all your content, man. We really... It is fun. I mean, I'm super passionate about it. Coming from that space, that was my, you know, my home for, and you know, I still keep a foot over there. And coming over to the da the dataverse, I mean, the Power BI side and dealing with it, I feel I went through that whole learning curve. And I'm very acutely aware of the learning curve that takes place when you move from the relational model of data over to an analytics model into a star schema. And how much of a, there's a lot of frustration that happens if you just like, oh, I see in my relationship model, I have tables and columns and relate and relationships between tables. And then I look in Power BI and I see tables and columns and relationships. Let me just copy paste everything over. And you walk into Dax Gymnastics at that point and you go, man, this is really hard. And I did that. What I've done has been, I went ahead and put out a series of sales report templates on my own GitHub not too long ago, back in, the, back in the fall, that would have been really well received because they strip it down and say, here's how you can get sales data out of Dynamics into a star schema. It's built where you can just extend it and go off on many directions, but it's already built out and clean. And it's using just out-of-the-box fields, out-of-the-box tables. So that literally you could plug in and play it into any environment and it won't blow up. And you don't have to like modify your environment to try it out. But it's got that both the report at the kind of aggregate level, but it's also got the embedded reports built into it like you described, which is really cool because... Each of these entities in Dynamics or in, in these Power Apps, things like, you know, you think about an account. I did it in the example of an account record where I go to an account record and then inside a, a tab on that account record, I've got a Power BI report that's filtered to the record I'm looking at. So as soon as I go to that record, to the, you know, Contoso Inc. record, I look at the Power BI report embedded in it and it's filtered to just that record's data. And I've done the same thing for like I was doing a, a deal with a, a doing a work with a big safety organization, and they were looking at the different facilities that were go that they had work in, and they were looking for trying to understand how the metrics they were collecting from all the facilities were different. So in the Power App, they just had a facility record, and you go to that facility record, and it would filter the whole report to just that. So you're using it in context. We do that on our own team now, you know. Mm -hmm. we, 
our own internal team, we have a, an app that was lightly used. Can we say it that way? Yeah. It was just lightly used at first until we married it with Power BI. And now it became the default, de facto standard that this is where you go to get data about customers because of the fact that both you can go to the record for a customer and see data about the customer baked into it. And we're starting to, we're out now pulling that data out of that platform and into summary reports that like on the call I was on with you yesterday, you're using the data coming out of Dataverse into a Power BI report that's really driving the, the progress on the platform. Yeah, it's fantastic. I It was one of those things where I didn't realize yeah. that it was Dynamics at the beginning. When we first started playing with it, it is just an app. It's right. just how we do things at this point. And it makes my life so much easier being able to leverage it and do all of these things that, you know, it goes to the type of thing that John and I talk about when we go out to conferences, like data is just data. Yep. It doesn't matter where this, what the source was, where it came from. Once we start to interact with it and report upon it in Power BI, we really don't care where it came from. Yep. It's about what are you doing with that data to begin with? And it's right. really cool that we have that ability. And one of the things that I'm a big fan of with all of this stuff is the fact that Dynamics, we can throw a Power App on top of it. We can enrich the experience of the user and then be able to properly, and it's not just reporting, it's interaction with the data. That's what we were doing in that meeting yesterday. Uh, you know, I was going through and I tune that, that data beforehand. I cleanse it, make sure that it's the right stuff for the right audience. And it makes it so that instead of being a, a five hour process to go through all the feedback with an entire team, we have it down to this was an hour and seven minutes. Yeah. You know, and people are able and to go really back efficient. in and take a look. There was a lot and, of really good discussion in that. Yeah. But it was all sitting there where you had it up on, on, on your monitor in front of you. And it, we're just all of us are looking at the same data together. Yep, it was really, it was cool. really, really well done. Well, Scott, I know I think we've taken up enough of your time, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Anything you you're, you have coming up that you'd like to tell folks about, or you know, I've got a a series going on through the uh, the Synapse channel right now of and showing Power BI how to how to connect Power BI to Dataverse using Synapse, and it really works well for super high volume of Dataverse data, and it gets it out in a really cool way. But it's, again, it's another one of those things that at the first time you you sort of approach it, it's a little intimidating. The first video is out already. It just show, it just kind of talks about the value of it or the, or the context, why you would use it would be the case where you would or wouldn't use it. Next video will be out very soon, probably already out by now. It talks about how do you get started configuring it and what does it cost and all those pieces of, you know, those pieces don't really make any difference, I know. <laughs> but, uh, but it's good. It's good. I'm excited about it because it kind of unlocks some scalability that I didn't have before. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely link that in uh, in the blog post that we're going to get out there. And uh, thanks again for being here, man. As always, it's always fun talking with you. We always have a blast. So yeah, absolutely. This is a fun area to be a part of. Yep. I, I came into this the data and AI side, the data side, late, and man, I I've had a blast over here. Yeah. This has been great. So all you guys, everybody on this on this listening that's been doing this for a long time, it's like, wow, you guys have been having a lot of fun, but uh, this, I'm glad to be here now. And as I keep saying, we've got a really bright future ahead. Uh, a lot of cool stuff that now that we're in 2023 that we are looking forward to to seeing and hearing. Oh, yeah. Uh, for our dear listener, uh, you know, we, we have a great uh, show that will drop next time as well. There's some cool stuff that's going to come. And then uh, 
I'm going to have some fun guest hosts coming on because John's going to disappear off uh, off the grid for a little bit. So I've already lined up a couple of, uh, of folks to guest host the show with me to talk about things like uh, the February drop for the desktop and service. I believe Patrick LeBlanc has agreed to do that. And if oh, he hasn't already, I just committed him to it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and some other fun folks, uh, you know, from the community as well as from our team will be filling in for John because I'm boring by myself and uh, we'll go with that. So, buddy, I will talk with you on, on the team meeting on Monday. And uh, John, as always, it's been fun. It's been a blast, guys. Thanks a lot, Scott. See you all. all right. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons. 